Before we start, a content note. This episode contains accounts of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse and racism. You'll also hear some swearing. I think it's going to be a pretty spectacular night. This was the sound outside of the Gold Over America tour when it stopped in Houston, Texas. It's going to be pretty awesome because these are some of the people who have been on the Olympic team for a couple years. So, and we've seen them level up while we've been leveling up in our gymnastics too, so that'd be pretty cool. Gold Over America was the 2021 post-Olympics gymnastics tour. And outside of the arena, little kids, mostly girls, were dressed in matching gymnastics club shirts or sparkly gold leotards. They were vibrating with excitement. I came to see Simone Biles. Yeah. What do you think this show is going to be like? Gold. Amazing. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I wasn't dressed in a leotard, but I was pretty damn excited too. I'm Amira Rose Davis. I'm a professor and podcaster, and I study the intersection of race, gender, sports, and politics. Black women athletes in particular, like Simone Biles, are right up my alley. So when I heard Simone was hosting her own post-Olympics tour in her hometown of Houston, which is just 45 minutes from where I was born in Beaumont, Texas, I knew I had to be there. Now, I didn't go unprepared. Just think of it as a pop concert, but gymnastic style. That's Jordan Childs, fresh off of her Olympic silver medal in Tokyo. She was a headliner for the show. And before I drove down to Houston, I checked in with her about what I could expect. We have LED lights. There's going to be a spoken word. The mix of international gymnasts to U.S. gymnasts as well, like There's a bunch of amazing athletes. You might cry. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to cry. I already know that. You're going to (laughs) cry. You're also going to have some happy moments and maybe some funny moments. So just be prepared for that. But there's there's just a lot that. Okay, girl, I just said we're coming on Friday. Don't spoil. I'm not going to (laughs) spoil it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just giving you the little. (laughs) The teaser. The the teaser. teaser, Okay. And. uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding with you. So it's a tour like we've never seen. Like, you know, it used to be these like Kellogg. Don't even bring those up. This is far from that. The thing I'm not supposed to bring up is every other post-Olympics gymnastics tour of champions. Here she is in Houston, Kathy Johnson and the balance beam. Past tours like this one that aired on ABC were organized by USA Gymnastics, the national governing body of the sport. And even though Jordan doesn't want to go there, we have to. Because these unspeakable tours, they help us understand what American gymnastics was, and for the most part, still is. Our efforts, through years of never-ending willpower and dedicated training, brought home what many of us thought to be the impossible dream. Our athletes brought home the gold. These previous tours occurred right after the Olympics. Gymnasts would literally hobble in with all of the ailments that they nursed throughout their run-up to the Olympic Games. They often looked tired and really depleted. I want to mention she didn't take much time off following the Olympics. She is right back in training with Coach Steve Nunu. I think she said she took one day off. (laughs) And look, the tours were hella white. They featured a sprinkling of gymnasts of color, but 
by and large, they reflected the state of elite gymnastics at the time. You hear it from so many Black gymnasts. It's no joke. It's a predominantly white sport. It's a white sport. My white coaches, like, pulled me aside and just said, like, you know, some of these meets were going to, you may not get the scores that you deserve um, because you're Black. We have to work twice as hard than everybody else to prove we belong to be there. This is not just a white person's sport, but it is owned and administered by white people. And that's a huge problem. That was Angie Dinkins, Dr. Courtney Johnson, Joyce Wilborn, and Jasmine Swinnigan. Their collective careers in gymnastics span from the mid-1980s to the early 2000s. Black girls and women like them have always been in and around this sport, but usually at the margins, not the core. And for decades, gymnastics was marketed as pretty little white girls flipping and bouncing around, being effortlessly entertaining, no matter how they felt or what was happening to them. You know, Simone Biles' golden performance was one of the major highlights of the Olympics in Rio. But now the gymnastics superstar is opening up about a low point in her life, adding her name to the list of more than 100 athletes who have accused former team doctor Larry Nasser of sexual abuse. The 2016 Kellogg's Tour of Champions happened right as the news about Larry Nasser was breaking. Right now, that doctor is sitting inside a jail cell in Ingham County in Mason. He's scheduled to be arraigned sometime tomorrow morning, most likely around 8.30. Meanwhile, Nasser worked for USAG as a doctor for two decades. He sexually abused more than 300 athletes, most of them gymnasts, including Gabrielle Douglas and Simone Biles, who were both on that 2016 tour. Many people in positions of power within USAG were eventually implicated in the cover-up for Nasser's crimes. It is our belief that there was a total failure by USAG to protect the athletes that were part of their program. You had one job, you literally had one job and you couldn't protect us. But in 2016, as the public was first learning about Nasser, that post-Olympics tour of champions rolled right along. Now on the Kellogg's tour, it's party time. There was no room in the sport for anything other than sparkles and smiles. But some gymnasts have set out to change that. Which brings us back to the Gold Over America tour. It's the first of its kind. This post-Olympic show wasn't going to be run by USAG. And that's why I had to see it. Because this tour was about all of it. The joy and the messiness of elite gymnastics. And Jordan tried to warn me, but I was blown away. This show had LED lights and incredible tricks and Black girls everywhere. It was joyous for sure. But there were also moments that explicitly addressed mental health issues and abuse. Like Caitlin Ohashi's spoken word poem, A Letter to Her Younger Self. Gold Over America is the brainchild of Simone Biles, 
It's run by the gymnast performing in it, her friends, like Jordan, the girls who have gone through what she's gone through and are ready to tell the world. For her, it's showing that we don't have to be controlled by others to do something that we want to do. And it's giving the world a chance to see that things can be very successful without being ruled by others. But lastly, I want to say good job, and I love you. So how did we get here? From mostly white girls and women being paraded across the country while people in power ignored accusations of their abuse? To the Gold Over America tour, a celebration of gymnastics joys that comes with the acknowledgement of pain and healing. How did gymnastics transform so much to give us a melanated show, written in the gymnast's words, danced to their beat, containing their voices and bursting with their identities? Gymnastics, I know what it can be. That's what keeps me in. It's not a sport that's going away, and it's not a sport that's only for white people. And we're seeing that more and more. It's just a, a wonderful feeling for me to see more sisters and, and uh, young ladies of, of different cultures that are up there and that are really doing the doggone thing. As a professor of history and African-American studies, I really care about change over time. And as the co-host of a feminist sports podcast, I love hearing people tell their own stories. And so I spent the last year trying to do both. I talked to black girls and black women in and around the sport to try to figure out how gymnastics has changed. To start with, I traced the careers of the trailblazers, like Betty Okino. I wanted a voice. I wanted to speak out. I wanted to, like, be emotional and for it to be okay. I wanted, I wanted the opposite of restricting. Yeah. You wanted freedom. I wanted freedom. Then I thought about the Golden Girls. I wanted to be Dominique Dawes. Gabby was the first person that so many people of color could actually say like, oh, shit, we do fucking gymnastics. Like, that's cool as shit. And of course, I had to talk with viral sensations. And it felt so surreal to actually be getting the credit that I felt like I deserved. It was a breath of fresh air to have support and love and gain love from people who were not a part of the sport at all. And gymnasts that you may not know yet. Previous seasons of American Prodigy have focused on one person. But this season, we're going to have a ton of people telling their stories. Because lots of Black girls made this transformation possible. And in a sport that divided and conquered and isolated athletes from each other for so long, there is power in bringing these voices together. They'll consider the burden of visibility, the weight of expectation, the anguish of injury, and the triumph of winning, all while we tell their stories alongside the history of gymnastics in the United States. Being a Black gymnast in a white gymnast world was one of the hardest and toughest things that I've ever had to accomplish. Their stories echo and reverberate off each other and help us understand what it took and still takes to find one's voice, to thrive, and to heal as a Black gymnast. But I didn't let it bother me. I just carried myself lovely, handled my business, and kept on moving. I don't put nothing past uh, any Black gymnast, male or female, prevailing and handling their business, because that's what we are. We great, you know? These girls, now women, they're the Black girls who few wanted in the sport, but they ended up changing the game. 
these young women are definitely saying, hey, I'm here, I'm here to stay. Hey, I'm gonna do gymnastics this way. And it's good. And you need to understand that it's good. These are their stories. And this is American Prodigies. It's inevitable. We damn good, so move over. Go sit down and enjoy the show. And embrace us. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everyone. We're giving away three custom American Prodigy windbreakers. To enter... Click the link in the episode description and sign up for the Blue Wire newsletter. The newsletter gives you a sneak peek at content, merch giveaways, and opportunities to win cold, hard cash. The American Prodigy giveaway closes April 2nd and will announce the winners on April 11th. Under everything you're going to hear in this series is a constant love letter to gymnastics. My favorite part of gymnastics is just like feeling free in the air. Like how you do those like flips and do butt flips and stuff. I like tumbling, I like being in the air. I just, I don't know, I just love it. My favorite part of gymnastics is honestly feeling like I'm flying. Just like being suspended in the air for a long time and knowing that my body did that. Just because I feel like it's so fun to when I look back on my fondest memories, it's it's just like very plainly just being in the air that I loved. And how they do the backflips. That's what I said. You me. just said flips. I said backflips. I, I said backflips. I said backflips. Back no, back no, I said backflips. I think my favorite part is honestly just being able to go out there and have fun. Jordan Child's story maps onto the stories of almost all the Black gymnasts we talk to, from the 1980s through the next generation just now emerging. When I look back, I'm like, I wish it was still like that, where I was just like, oh yeah, let's go into the gym and just jump around. But you know, everything changes and that's what happened to me. All of the Black gymnasts I spoke with find joy in flipping and frustration in injury. There are Olympic victories, and there are shitty microaggressions about hair and body type that build up over their entire careers and beyond. There's a community in being on the floor with other Black gymnasts, and there's the devastation of putting all of their trust in faulty adults. There's a decade-long struggle of trying to find and amplify their voices, to build a safe environment for themselves and each other, where their love of gymnastics can be the priority. Because like Jordan said, gymnastics is supposed to be fun. And it was for her, at first. Gymnastics actually saved me. 
like I could not sit still at all whatsoever. My dad one day was just like, I can't control her anymore. Like this is getting too out of hand. We need to do something about it. And so then they put me in gymnastics and then right away I started teaching myself skills. I was seeing all the other girls like, oh my goodness, like I want to do that. Like this is so cool. Jordan was good. So good that pretty soon gymnastics started to feel like work. She skipped a bunch of levels and her training increased. We're talking 25 to 30 hours a week while she was in middle school. So at the age of 11, I went elite and that's really young. I didn't know anything at that time at all. Didn't know what I put myself through was just like, okay, like everybody else is doing it. Why not me? When you were um, in gymnastics when you were younger, were you in gyms that were mostly white or did you have other black girls doing gymnastics near you? I was the only black girl on the team, which I thought it was normal. Like at that time, like I I went to an all white school. Like that's what I just grew up around. But um, yeah, I was the only one until I want to say about the age of 14 because that's when the whole Biles and Childs thing went viral. The Biles and Childs thing was when Simone won the gold medal in the senior division at U.S. Classics in 2014. And Jordan won gold in the junior division. And that's when a lot of girls really realized, I want to do what they're doing. And so then I actually attracted more brown girls out there who wanted to come to my gym. And then every day I just saw one. And like some days I would like tear up because it was just like, Oh my gosh, mm. like there's, they're loving the fact that I'm doing something so great and so huge and that they're able to do it. You mentioned before that there was obviously a period of time in which you lost your joy from the sport. You took a break from gymnastics in 2018. Can you just walk us through, right, what led up to that break? and what it was like to walk away from the sport. So in 2017, I had a coach situation. She was verbally abusive. She would leave me in airports. Like a couple times, like I've gotten left at the Houston airport. Like I'd be sitting there at the uh, gate, right? And she'd be like, I'll be back. And I'd be like, okay. Three hours later, and I'd be sitting there. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm hungry. So I'd walk up. She'd be at a bar. And she's drinking a Corona. Right? I'm like, did I just see? But then she tried hiding it. She tried hiding the fact. She like (laughs) tried hiding the fact that she was drinking a Corona. This is a grown person. And this is what kills me. Yes. I'm like. Lady, what are you doing? We're about to get onto an airplane. Like, yeah, it was pretty bad. My um, flight agent or whatever, it got so bad that I would tell her, like, I can't sit next to her on the plane. She would, like, switch my uh, seat around and everything. But it was pretty bad. Jordan was 16 when this happened. 16 and being shipped off with this coach to national and international competitions. No parents allowed. But this is just how gymnastics works. If you want to be at the top of this game, you need to go all in and trust your coaches to take you there. 
That ends up being the downfall of so many gymnasts, like Betty Okino, a black gymnast from the early 90s. Her coaches overtrained her, pushing her body to the breaking point more than once, and she couldn't defend herself. So the fear was, if I stand up and say something right now, like, dude, I'm done. I did the assignment. I did it really well. I should be able to go sit down and stretch. Like, there's no need for me to do this. I didn't feel like I could have that conversation because any anything slightly askew, any little bit of, like, perceived talking back um, is going to be misjudged because of the color of the skin. Right, because it's not just that you're, oh, you're a, a sassy gymnast, you're you're a black girl, you're ungrateful, exactly. you're... Exactly. You're all whatever stereotypes they have already laid on you. And since gymnastics is almost entirely managed by white people, you get young black girls training, traveling, and sometimes living with white coaches. Coaches who might know them well, but don't necessarily know how to take care of them. Their ignorance can run the gamut between leaving a 16-year-old to fend for herself in the busy airport to violently cutting her hair. That amazing coach of mine, (laughs) LOL, she always said I had two heads because of how big my poof was. One time I had a competition and I had braids in my hair and she said that it didn't look professional and she cut them. She cut your hair. She cut my braids, yes. White folks' ignorance about Black girls' hair is going to be a theme throughout this series. Like, if I were to go to a gymnastics meet right now with my hair in braids, um, probably 10 people would pet my hair without my permission. I think it was the first time I went to the ranch. I did my baby hairs, and, like, someone was like, oh, ew, do you use that toothbrush on your teeth, too? That's so disgusting. It definitely took so much time. This took so much time to really find myself and kind of gain confidence in in myself because all my friends, you know, their hair falls down. It doesn't stick up. Of course, my hair was the talk of the town, and I also went through a hair phase. Everybody had a hair phase. We don't have to get into (laughs) it, but I, I went through a hair phase, too, and they witnessed that. Meanwhile, Jordan's coach was proud of what she had done. She then called my mom and was like, Gina, um, I cut your daughter's hair and it looks so much better. And my mom was heated, yelling at her, like, don't you ever touch my daughter's hair ever again because da-da-da. And like, she was just going off and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? See, first of all, it's just like on site. (laughs) But like, I'm just really amazed, Jordan, like, It's so hard to receive messages from such a young age about your hair, about bodies, about all of this stuff in a sport that demands a certain type of robotics. It was just a very, very tragic moment. Like every other athlete, it's just my coach. Wasn't expecting to be anything. Thought it was just part of the sport. Both microaggressions and aggression aggressions, they compound over time. So much so that they overpower the moments you spend joyfully flying through the air. That joy feels like nothing, just a speck in comparison to the shit you have to deal with on the ground. And feeling like you can't speak up about it, either because that's just the way the sport is or because no one will understand or care, 
that makes it all even harder to bear. How I describe it is I was just in a box looking at black walls. There was no light even above me, down below, or on the sides. In early 2017, Jordan left her coach and tried a new one. But the impact of those bad experiences were starting to show in her gymnastics. She competed well enough, but she didn't make the roster for any of the USAG international meets that year. I stopped going to gym because I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I would skip skip gym. I would tell my parents that I was going one place and ended up going to a different place because it was just too hard. Um, I couldn't, like, I walked out of practices because I just couldn't handle it anymore at all. So in that moment in time, I felt like I was living a life that I missed. And so that's what happened until 2018 World Selection Camp came around and Simone actually gave me a pep talk and she was just like, you know what you need to do. Like, it's your your mind, your body. There's only so much you can do in your life. And if it's you being done or you continuing, it's just whatever you feel. And Simone said, if you decide you want to keep going, why don't you come train in Houston with me? And so I took all her advice that she gave to me into consideration. And I went back home and I was like, look, I want to move. At this time, Jordan was living in Vancouver, Washington. But thinking about moving across the country away from your family for a gymnastics dream was pretty normal. Since the 1980s, gymnasts had been flocking to Texas to train. My next step was a big one. That's when my family and I decided that I would leave Gary and move to Houston to train with Bella. To train with Bella Caroli, a giant in the field of women's gymnastics. Caroli, the former Romanian national... All I knew is this man made Nadia an Olympic champion, Mary Lou an Olympic champion, like all the athletes I look up to today. So this is where, this is where I'm supposed to be. Bella and Marta Caroli coached Nadia Comaneci to fame in Romania and Mary Lou Retton to gold in America. They became coordinators of the U.S. national team at their ranch, 70 miles north of Houston, and dictated the course of gymnastics for decades. Down to the very, very last stretch. Mental strength will be very important. That's Marta Caroli herself, back in 2016. She's speaking in a documentary about the ranch that aired on NBC. In an interview with Vice for an HBO documentary, elite gymnast Maddie Larson said, You would see like Marta would kind of look around and she would comment when people had like very little food on their plate. And she'd be like, eating so well. I see. Some distractions will arise. Push them aside. Good luck with everything. Thank you, Marta. Coach Nash. Goodbye. Now, the Carolis are disgraced. Some of Larry Nasser's alleged sexual abuse victims are demanding that the state of Texas take action against two legendary gymnastics coaches. The former gymnasts claim that Bella and Marta Caroli knew about the abuse and did not try to stop it. Their careers are attached to an entire era of gymnastics mired in reports of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. I don't think it's possible for someone like Larry to get away with doing what he did for 20 plus years if it's not in a corrupt environment and organization. 
Today, Houston is still a destination for gymnasts, but it's now because of Simone and the World Champion Center, a gym her family owns. And the elite team at the WCC is almost entirely Black. How rare is it that an entire elite team is Black and then there's Olivia? This Black-ass training space cultivates and sustains gymnasts of all levels who are in search of a more inclusive gymnastics facility. From Jordan Childs to nine-year-old Anaya, who was in the stands with me at the Gold Over America tour, watching it with her mom. Like you do gymnastics? At WCC. Okay, at WCC, yes! And she's actually going into a more diverse gym and now, because we just relocated from okay. Wisconsin. Girl, did you move for the gym? Yes. So Jordan, like Anaya, uprooted her life to come to Houston. So I had told my parents around December of 2018, I want to move. I want to move. I want to go to a place where I know I can be wanted and I can continue my journey because I still believe there's a little light for me left to be able to make this Olympic team. And they were like, okay. After graduating high school the next spring, Jordan packed up and left to train with Simone. Her new coaches, Cecile and Laurent Mondi, were immediately impressed. And Jordan started to live life outside of the gym. She started to eat well, she started to smile, and to fall in love with her sport again. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about who tells you what and how you want to control your own mind, because that's what you do. You control your own mind. You can't control what others say. You can only control what you do. And that's something that I had to learn. And I found different versions of myself that I wish I found before. And the version that I am today is somebody that I wish I was back then. The version I am today is somebody that can speak up, that can defend themselves. Like, there's a lot of things that I found about myself now that I wish I would have found earlier in life. In 2021, Jordan won all around at the Winter Cup in February, came in second behind Simone at Classics in May, and came in third at Nationals in June. At the 2020 Olympic trials, which were held in 2021 because of the pandemic, Jordan's name was called as a member of the Olympic team. She dropped to the floor and made a snow angel out of the confetti that fell from the ceiling. It was glorious. My favorite part of that was that Jordan could not stop dancing or smiling. You see her hitting the whoa. You actually see Simone pulling her away from her private dance party just to get her to pose and settle down for a picture. I don't think a lot of people realize who I am and what I can become. And so showing that in those moments was just an amazing thing. I w was wanted by people and I was just so excited. I was happy that I was going to the next level of what I wanted to become. Thank you. It is the women's team final from Tokyo. Team USA looking for their third straight gold medal. You've got 14 members. And then Tokyo happens. <laughs> <laughs> And we are just being told by the officials that Simone Biles is out of the competition. And Jordan Childs 
is up there, going to warm up on uneven bars. She'll replace Simone. Giles coming through. It just wasn't enough in the end. A look at those final standings. The Russians on top of the United States. Great Britain, the bronze medal. Italy, Japan. I do have to say Tokyo was a, the best experience because it's the Olympics. It's being able to show like, okay, we're Team USA and all this. I mean, yes, we had some downfalls here and there, but that brought us all back together. Like three of us who competed, but the fourth one, she supported us. She literally was like our coach. And who, who, can, who can say, yes, Simone Biles was handing me chalk or giving me great advice while I was competing? Like, not a lot of people can say that. I also think of you coming up, like, your specific generation is, like, the tail end of this generation that has basically gone through such an upheaval and had to find their voices and speak to collectively to make their voices heard, to call out not just one person, right, but to really call out a system and to bring light to some of the things that y'all were, you know, dealing with. There's a lot of there's a lot of bullshit, right, that comes y'all's way and, and comes Simone's way and comes just black girls in the spotlight's way. But there's also a lot of people out there who can see how tough y'all are and the love you share. And that, I think, is what has also been so inspiring, right? To watch y'all find yourselves, but find yourselves together. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it has been. It's been very, very um, stressful. But, you know, I think we all have such, such huge hearts. I feel like, yes, we get our hearts broken bits and pieces, but not a full-on crack. So like, yes, we go through aches and pains and we have to deal with a lot of things, but there's more to us. We're not just athletes. We're also exactly. human beings. We also have that side of us to where we have family and friends who can stitch us back together and we can enjoy those moments of not worrying about what just happened. We're not quitters at all. Like we don't quit. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I came to see Simone Biles. Definitely Simone Biles because she's an amazing gymnast and she's shown 
people that black gymnasts can be great. I think many girls see that, oh, she's a woman of color and that she's gotten that far. I can do it too. Right. But she's also not the first, right? So do you know like the history of black gymnastics? Uh, Gabby Douglas. Gabby first. Douglas. See, we only learned about Gabby and Simone because that's the most popular we know. But we didn't really go back because okay. people didn't really say anything about the other people. Today's generation of black gymnasts, the next Simones, Gabbies, and Jordans, they follow a path that was actually laid for them 40 years ago. So there are all these kind of markers. We've always had this long history. That's Wendy Hilliard, a rhythmic gymnast who came up alongside the greats in artistic gymnastics in the 1980s. Greats like Diane Durham, the gymnasts we're going to follow next in our series. 37 years before Jordan moved to Houston to try to make it to the Olympics, Diane did the same. Diane Durham, 14 years old, one routine away from capturing a national championship. And to me, it showcased to the entire country that a little black girl from Gary, Indiana could be the best gymnast in the country. As you watch the performance of Diane Durham, keep in mind, we are one year away from the Olympic Games and not in the last 50 years has an American female gymnast won a medal of any kind in the Olympics. Like Simone, Diane became a beacon for other Black elite gymnasts of her time, like Joyce Wilburn and Angie Dinkins. When we were in the meets, my coach and I, we would encourage her. She would do the same on my part. We showed that love unconditionally and always. And Diane was like, shit, that was my girl. That was my sister. I was excited because I wanted to be just like them. I was going to be there someday. Diane was amazing. And every gymnast will tell you that her gymnastics was off the chain. Off the chain. But just like Jordan, Diane dealt with bullshit. As most of you know, things didn't end up the way I wanted them to. And she had told me at times she always felt, you know, maybe America wasn't ready for a Black gymnast to be on a women's box. And you talk about times of things. You know, Diane could have been the Olympic champion in 1984. How different would the gymnastics been in that, right? Diane's story sets the stage for understanding what Black gymnasts have overcome in the last 40 years in order to stand up for themselves against a system that didn't want them in the first place. Starting with Diane, this season of American Prodigies will follow the girls and women who transformed gymnastics, who helped move more and more Black gymnasts from the margins to the core, and who found joy there. We'll consider the impact that making the Olympic team has for the legacy of Black women in the sport. And I remember at that age, being the only little Black girl in my gymnastics class. It wouldn't be until I was about nine when I found out who Dominique Dawes was, and she was just everything to me. Of course, with great visibility comes great scrutiny. A lot had went on, and I had made history, and then, um, then they were talking about my hair. But do we want a bunch of Black girls running into this sport? Is that what we want? Perhaps this sport is not compatible with doing just work for Black women. How could it be? And sometimes you have to leave elite gymnastics to find your joy. That can mean retiring as a teenager. 
or it can mean competing in college, where floor routines designed to showcase your personality can go viral. I absolutely love that the crowd was cheering with me and screaming, get a 10, and I was high-fiving them. Like, that energy will always stick with me. Like, I, I loved that. That was completely different than Elite Gymnastics, 100%. And there are still Black women changing the game in elite gymnastics. I don't want another young gymnast to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured before, during, and continuing to this day. And empowering the next generation. And then I saw this girl named Simone Biles. I was like, oh my God, she's so good. I want to be exactly like her. But then once I kind of got got like a little bit older, I'm like, nah, never mind. I don't want to be like Simone Biles. I want to be as good or better. <laughs> I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dawes. I can only be the next version of myself. In the end, you'll see why it felt so moving to be sitting in Houston in 2021. About to cheer on Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast who ever lived, in a tour she created, in an arena filled with little black girls, with a crowd of people thrilled to watch black women fly through the air and ready to support them when they landed. Okay, that was way more emotional than I thought I would be. Jess and I were both crying. <laughs> This episode of American Prodigies was reported and hosted by me, Amira Rose Davis. Jessica Luther is our story editor. Jessica Bonniford and Kelly Hardcastle-Jones are our senior producers. Sound design, mix, and mastering by Camille Stennis. This episode featured archival audio from ABC, TBS, NBC, the USA Gymnastics Region 5 Hall of Fame, CBS, Vice, HBO, and Hot 97. Isabel Jocelyn, Kayla Stokes, and Jordan Liggins provided production assistance. Back checking was done by Mary Mathis and Jessica Luther. Production coordination by Devin Shepard. And we had research help from Shawetha Surendran, Mariam Khan, and Mary Mathis. Special thanks to the Gold Over America Tour, Danielle Dorfman, and the Lazy River at the Marriott Marquis in Houston, Texas. American Prodigies is executive produced by Peter Moses and John Yale. Okay, first... Say your name. Navea. And how old are you? Five years old. Six months. Who's your favorite gymnast? Simone Viles. And what's your favorite thing about gymnastics? Beams. Beam? Why is beam your favorite thing? Beam is scary. Not to me. Not to you. But what happens? Do people sometimes fall off beam? Yeah. But what do they do after they fall off? They get back up. Is that the most important part? Yes. Absolutely. I'm actually a little bit scared because I've never been to the, the Olympics where there's a lot of people. Yeah, I think it would be a little scary. But, you know, sometimes Simone gets scared, and you know what she does when she gets scared? No. She leans on her friends and her family. And so it's okay to be scared, but that's why you have courage. Okay. Okay? Get have a sticker. Okay, so then you just have to say bye to the people. Bye. Bye.